There's never just two sides to a sports issue. Welcome to Three Sides Sports Talk. Another exciting episode with training camp uh, kind of in motion. A couple teams around the league have already reported. Uh, Niner players will start reporting in about three or four days, depending on when you're listening to this. Coaches are in the building, so football season's upon us. And just before the players put the pads on, Mr. Fred Warner's got to go to the bank because the Niners, <laughs> the Niners did something that we wanted them to, and they did it again under the media radar because there was not even in. I didn't even hear they were in discussions until you wake up with. Breaking news, Fred Warner signs $90 million, $40 million guaranteed. Middle linebacker locked up for the next, you know, few years. So you got to love the fact that the Niner front office took care of one of their own. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I love Fred Warner. I love how he plays, how he carries himself. Just a great player and a tremendous leader on that defense. And I love that the Niners, you know, take care of their own like George Kittle with his contract extension last year, but wow, making Warner the highest paid linebacker in the game. That's just huge. Cause as much as I do love him, I still wonder if he's a big enough playmaker that would warrant setting the salary benchmark at his position. Um, at least, but at least Parag backloaded the deal from what I understand so that the bulk of his salary will coincide with the cap hopefully going back up in 2023. Um, and hopefully D'Amico Ryan's defense puts Warner in a better position to be more of an elite playmaker to sort of validate that contract. You guys agree? Yeah, I mean, hopefully he, hopefully he does put in that position. And once again, I guess tip the cap to Parag. I mean, I thought we didn't have any money. <laughs> and then we go sign all these guys in free agency and then – season's about to start. Oh, Fred Warner, you need to get paid too. Okay. Here's freaking $40 million guaranteed. So, I mean, they're doing something right. They're negotiating and figuring things out. My only question, I guess, with the, um, with uh, the, the setting the, setting the market, I guess, is it's almost like these guys, they almost demand that. Like you can't not give them that because you probably wouldn't have signed if you gave them 80 million or anything less. Right. So it's like he, he sets the market and then, uh, what's his name from the Colts will, you know, set the market again Snyder. on top of that. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a lot of money, especially for a linebacker, but I mean, the way Prague does things where the cap's always going up and now I'm like, I don't even know what the cap even is. So it's like, great. I mean, you got to do it. It's, it's what's it's going right. So you got to do it. So a couple things, I mean, Fred in, you know, highest paid linebacker, uh, you know, hold, hold that title for as long as you can. I imagine it's only going to be a few more days. Uh, Leonard over there with the Colts is about to sign his deal. So I'm sure he saw Warner's deal and is going to do that. And I want $1 more type thing. So he can be it, but you got, you, you got to think that Warner is the guy that they want to build around in terms of their defense in, in terms of what they want out of their defense. I mean, he came in as a third round pick. He has started every game since his rookie year. He has led the team in tackles. He, in his rookie year, he got the green dot as, you know, called the signals. I mean, this guy, this guy is Patrick Willis continued in terms of he is the leader of the defense. As he goes, the defense is going to follow. There's going to be, there's probably more talented players, you know, like a Nick Bosa, 
in terms of physically dominant, but the way he plays, the way he, I mean, you can always be sure he's going to make the tackle. He's going to run with, you know, tight ends. He, he's what the Cardinals wanted Isaiah Simmons to be in terms of he's a safety. He's a linebacker. He can cover tight ends. He can stuff the run. He can do everything you needed. And we always talk about, you know, how important injuries are like, what happened to Bosa last year? What's happened to Jimmy, you know, in the past? But Warner plays a violent game at a violent position, and he never misses a start. So, you know, fingers crossed. Congratulations to him. Can't wait to see him, you know, in the in the Niner defense. And one thing that I thought was interesting is the Niners now have three players who are the highest paid players in the NFL at their position. They got Trent Williams, highest paid tackle. You got Warner, highest paid linebacker, and then you got uh, Kittle, highest paid tight end. So the Niners, Jed will never get the love of uh, Joe Lacob until he wins a couple championships or because of, you know, what he did during the Tom Sula, Chip Kelly, you know, era. So some people just won't get it. But the fact that he opens the pocketbooks every time the football organization says, We've got a guy. We got to lock him up. We need this. We need that. They get it done. And it, and it's, I mean, so many times you look across sports and you look at other teams and you're like, boy, how'd they let that guy get out of the building? Or why'd you trade this guy? You know, the Niners don't do it. it it's got to be re refreshing as a fan to know you draft a guy, you're going to pay the guy, you're going to get it done. So props to the Niners for taking care of, of Fred. You know, so and and speaking of injuries, Cam Akers goes down for the Rams with a torn Achilles. So, I mean, it's you never you never wish injuries, and it's certainly the nature of the NFL. But Akers was a pretty important piece to that that offense last year. Um, so, I mean, right out of the gate, before training camp even starts, the Rams are going to have to you know, do a little juggling on their offense. And you're talking about the, you know, best division in football and the arms race that the NFC West is. And you got to think the Rams are, you know, they took a body blow. Well, I'm sure they're going to get up off the canvas, but they got something to think about. Yeah, a really unfortunate injury for Cam Akers and the Rams. Uh, but I don't think the th that things change all that much for LA because they do still have Daryl Henderson and, you know, he's had his moments while sharing the load in seasons past. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not giving enough, giving acres enough credit. But to me, the Rams offense this year is all about Matt Stafford and how far he can carry them. It's why they gave up two first round picks and a third and Jared Goff to get Stafford. So while the acres injury definitely sucks for the Rams, uh, it shouldn't matter much in the grand scheme of the season if Stafford is truly the man. Right? No, I no, I wouldn't say that. I mean, you if you don't have a running game, you're you know, I mean, you you've seen what the Niners defense has done in the past. You know, with with that, with teams don't have a running game, and you're asking, you know, shoot in those playoff games, even when you asked Aaron Rodgers to to drop back, and you knew, hey, they got a pass, it's suffocating. So. I, you know, hey, Cam Akers isn't the second coming of Emmett Smith or Barry Sanders, but you want to talk about, you know, next man up. And if you don't have the depth 
to supplant a Cam Akers, who was a good player with yeah, great, granted, Henderson can step up, but you know, that's like saying, oh, we lost Mostert, Jeff Wilson step up. And it worked until Jeff Wilson got hurt. And then we're having Jamichael Hasty and, you know, whoever else is on the practice squad. So it's just the depth building. And yeah, I think the, the offense is still going to be Stafford heavy, but you know, we, we always see one, the, the greatest quarterbacks in the world without a running game, they can look pretty average against some of these defenses. Yeah, I just wanted to say um, it's it may not be the, the the nicest take, but I can't I couldn't help but think when I saw that about Acres, uh, smile a little bit and think, <laughs> great. I hope that all their guys get hurt and <laughs> Seattle guys get hurt because I mean you don't look at it like we had this unprecedented deal last year, so my feelings are now unprecedented. I guess like I don't want to wish bad on anybody, but at the same time. Great. Now you got a guy with an Achilles. We already lost Jeff Wilson Jr. So okay, now you got you got to figure out that spot. And don't I hope Lynch doesn't go trade one of our depth pieces to the Rams either <laughs> to help them out. So um, yeah, I mean, hope more guys get hurt. I mean, we had to go through so much last year or before. So you know, I just I don't want to throw throw it out there, but I, I kind of have to, I guess. Like it, it's. You have to deal with it, I guess. And uh, so hopefully, hopefully we don't get a bunch of guys hurt either. But yeah, so. Well, and yeah, if we I, don't out, think, Rams. I don't think Shanahan's going to be dealing anybody from our roster to the Rams. I, I don't see that happening. And uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I wasn't terribly sad to see that happen. It just, you know, sucks for the player for sure. Yeah. Um, but again, like maybe I just don't feel like there's that huge of a drop off between Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. Is Cam better? Yes. But I think. Daryl Henderson should be able to step right in. Like your buddy Dick, uh, Dick Vermeil would say, we're going to rally around Daryl. And I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like Stafford's he, look, look, he's got the defense, great defense. Now he's got the weapons on offense. He's got a better coaching staff. Those are all the excuses people were giving Stafford as to why things didn't work out in Detroit. Cause they didn't, he didn't have all those things before. And now he does. So that's all I'm saying. Let's see if he can finally get it done. Um, yeah, because Akers and Henderson actually rushed. And, and again, you could have said if, if Daryl Henderson went down, I think it would be the same conversation. It's just a depth piece. Both both Akers and Henderson rushed for 600 plus yards last year. So, you know, if you got a two headed monster and you lose one of the heads, you're just you're just in a little bit you know of position. Now, speaking of running back, Niners got Trey Sermon signed, which led. Um, Matt Mayoko on his latest podcast to kind of spitball the idea of with a plethora of running backs in the, in the stable, somebody's going to have to get cut. You're talking, you're talking Mostert, you're talking uh, Sermon, uh, you're uh, talking Wayne Gallup, you're talking Jeff Wilson when, you know, when he comes back does, you know, not that you, not that it would go to the Rams, but, this is kind of one of those situations when you have four running backs and you're only going to keep three of them. Do you shop one of them, you know, somewhere else kind of like they've done in the past when they, you know, trading Colin Jones to the Panthers for a seventh rounder or Matt Breida, any number of these guys. So could the Niners do that? And could it be Mostert? Because it's, it's not going to be Sermon. You just drafted the guy. I mean, I guess it could be, you know, it could be one of the other guys, but I got to imagine Mostert carries the most trade value. So 
that's going to be something to at least watch during the preseason. No. Yes. Thoughts. I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, not to jinx us or anything, but I would imagine somebody's going to get dinged up a little bit along the way, but let's for the sake of argument, say that everybody's healthy. I don't think that Mostert would be the one that they deal because as we've, um, as we talked about in previous podcasts, you know, he's the kind, he's the guy who stirs is the straw that stirs the drink as far as, you know, that the running game goes, in my opinion, I know that they just got Trey Sermon, but you know, and, and, but I feel like having a guy like Trey Sermon makes a guy like Raheem Mostert even that much more powerful, that much more potent in this offense, because now he could be the designated home run hitter, right? You, you got Sermon there grinding out, you know, the tough yards between the twenties, you know, but then every now and then you insert Mostert in there and boom, that the jets just take off and they can't catch them. So I do not see Raheem Mostert being a part of any trade package this season. But think of it from the think of it from the other point of view. If you're another team and you're looking at the Niners, which running back do you want? It's fine. They they want them, but I'm what I'm saying is that the Niners won't be dealing. Yeah, like, well, he's not he's not going to be available. Let's put and it that, that. And that's where I'm disagreeing with you. That's what I'm saying. Like you just drafted two guys and signed a guy. You're not keeping five running backs. So who's who's got the most trade value for another team? Yeah. I'll, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, I was just saying, yeah, I guess he probably would have the most trade value from that perspective. I, I, my, I guess my, uh, my take on this would just be that um, I'm hoping for the perfect scenario that nobody gets hurt through training camp, and then we can figure it out later. Can we stash somebody on the practice squad type thing? Because, like Jerry said, I mean, not to jinx, but whatever. Like, we don't want any of these guys getting hurt or getting banged up. So I, I'd hate to see them deal most or really. Like, like, to me, I'd hate to see that because, yeah, he is a home run hitter. So – um, whether or not, yeah, he might have the most trade value, but I would just would hate to see them get rid of any of these guys at this point and see how things shake out. Cause we don't have Jeff Wilson jr. You know, till halfway through the season as well already. So I don't, I hate to get rid of any of these guys, but you're going to have to get rid of somebody. Got to get rid of two of them. You got six running backs going to camp. Right. So if maybe you could stick somebody on the practice squad or just see how things shake out. Cause if somebody does get banged up, then now we're back down to three or four or so. I mean, if all things being equal, meaning everything, everybody's healthy, everybody looks good at the end of the camp, I would imagine Gallman would be the odd man out and they would try to stash Elijah Mitchell on the, on the practice squad. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's very possible. So, and then may not be able to, of course, but yeah, <laughs> we'll see. So with that being said, as players start to report to camp, what are you guys looking for? I mean, Besides everyone staying healthy, besides bubble wrapping those that need to be bubble wrapped, you know, are there certain position groups, certain individual players? And obviously we can, we spent a lot of time talking about Jimmy and Trey Lance, and that's going to be the headliner throughout camp. But anything else you guys are looking for as the players start, you know, showing up to get, you know, get their uniform numbers dispersed? Certainly how things unfold on offense, particularly at the quarterback position will be at the top of the list of things I'll be paying attention to. Uh, you know, will Jimmy G have the best camp of his life and keep Trey, you know, Lance at bay or will Lance play so well that he takes over the starting role sooner rather than later. And how does Kyle Shanahan factor into Lance's growth? Cause while I think we can agree that Kyle's been like a Jedi master when it comes to being a play designer, because he's so good at scheming guys open. 
we've yet to see Shanahan develop an elite quarterback from the ground up. So there's that on the offensive side. And then I'm also curious to see how the defense will operate under first time defensive coordinator Tamika Ryans. Cause you know, to me, the key on D will be their ability to bring the heat off the edge and pressure the quarterback like they did two years ago. So can Ryan's and Chris Kacerik get a guy like Samson Ekubon, you know, to up his game the way Kerry Hyder did last year? And will Nick Bosa be back at 100% coming into the season? Those are the things that I'm curious to watch as we get into training camp. And I'll go ahead and go with two different position groups, uh, one of which let's see what happens with the wide receivers, who is available, who can stay healthy, who can step up to be the slot guy if it's not Debo. Uh, is, is Hurd going to be healthy? What, what can we see from this guy? Maybe some other undrafted guys they brought in. I'd like to see what, how that kind of s- shakes out. And then also uh, the secondary, not so much the safeties, even though I mean they, they, have, they have their, their guys back, but at corner with the guys they drafted, um, who can push Mostert, uh, not Mostert, um, uh, who's the other corner? Sorry. Mosley. <laughs> Mosley, yeah. Um, who can push him possibly, or is it, or do we, do we find a diamond in the rough, that type of thing? So I'd like to see how those position groups uh, shake out. Speaking of rookies, um, Niners did get uh, Sermon signed, like we mentioned, and that leaves only two guys left to put pen to paper, that being Trey Lance and Ambry Thomas, the cornerback from Michigan. So they got a few more days before they got to report to camp. I got to imagine those are going to get, you know, done. I got to imagine Parag and everyone's, you know, focus was on Fred maybe for the last couple of days as they pounded out those details. So once those guys, you know, get their contracts taken care of and everyone shows up to camp, um, it'll be interesting to see these battles because, the, the Niner, we talked about it before, and we just kind of mentioned it in passing just about the running backs, but they don't have too many groups where you're like, this is, you know, shoot, if you came out for this position, you're going to make the team because they just don't have very many guys there. We talked about how we we're interested in, you know, the tight end position because, oh, Jordan Reed retired. They didn't go out and draft one. What's going to happen? You know, obviously you got Kittle. You know, Jerry's buddy, Ross Dwelly, you know, is still there, you know, but you, you have Dwelly, you have Charlie Warner, you have a couple, Michael Pruitt, who signed in the offseason. So you're going to, not that these are franchise changing players, but you at least have guys that are NFL roster worthy guys that should be able to push the stars, that should be able to put some good tape out there during training camp, during the preseason um, and should they get cut, get picked up by another team? But nobody mentioned, nobody mentioned McGlinchey, you know, as someone to watch. And, you know, we spent a little bit of time talking about him just because he seemed to be to the, to the novice viewer, to, to myself, he, he just looked to be overpowered at times. And, you know, he, we've seen pictures of him that he looks like he's bulked up. The talk is that he's, he's done well. So, everything's everything's connected right jimmy's health is connected to the health and productivity of the offensive line and so if those guys stay healthy maybe jimmy stays healthy so so it's nice to see that and it's nice to see that the additions that they've made like alex mack you know again soon we'll see what happens when training camp starts and see if these old guys still produce and health is on their side but there's a lot of things that the Niner fans and the Niner coaching staff have to be excited about 
you know, getting ready to go into the season. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about McGlinchey because, well, first of all, I guess with the additions of Alex Max and Mack and just fortifying that O-line, hopefully that does make things easier or covers up for McGlinchey a little bit. Because honestly, I don't really think McGlinchey was all that different last year versus the year prior in that there are times where he struggled his rookie year as well, but it wasn't magnified like it was last year because the team was a lot better and you didn't have Nick Mullins back, you know, behind center. Um, so, you know, and maybe I'm just, I just didn't think about him because I'm just like, you know what, let's just hope he's good, but I don't really have really high hopes. <laughs> Ah, Debbie Downer starting to make an early appearance for the NFL season. Oh, how how right on target for Jerry as training camp comes along. Yeah. No, I mean, hopefully, like you mentioned, Todd, I haven't heard the reports, but that was the whole point was to, to get bigger, get stronger, but then still maintain that, you know, agility and, and quickness. So if he's done that, great. You get somebody else at right guard, maybe to help you out or vice versa. And then Mac in there to, to stabilize the line. I mean, hopefully it all works out and everyone's better, right? I mean, that's what we hope for. If not, I guess they'll be looking to replace McGlinchey then next year. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, and they I mean they did pick up his fifth year option type of thing. So, but it, these are these are I guess not good problems to have, but at least you're talking about you know a first rounder who you invested money in, you invested time, you've given him every opportunity. That yeah. now's the chance for him to step up and do what he is supposed to do. Otherwise, yeah, time, time to move on. So anyways, so um, not, not to, not to bring the, the, the podcast to a screeching halt, but I don't know if you guys saw the news about Greg Knapp. Uh, so Greg Knapp, you know, was in a, a former, former assistant coach for a variety of teams. Uh, most recently on Robert Sala's uh, staff and a former 49er uh, offensive coordinator um, he passed away earlier today after sustaining a bike accident. So you start seeing the outpouring of, of love because you talk about a guy like Greg Knapp, who's been in the NFL for 23 years um, at numerous stops. And these guys, you know, start making connections with coaches and players uh, throughout the league for a long, long time. So, um, you know, it's, it's tough to see a, a guy who, you know, I don't even know how old he is. 58, you know, guy, 58 years old. Uh, he was, he was on his bike, you know, going out for exercise, getting ready to leave to New York for training camp and, you know, bad thing, tragedy struck. So um, the best goes out to, to nap and his family, um, you know, cause as, as diehard football fans, that's kind of a name that, you know, circulated around the coaching ranks for a couple decades. So the best to, to Greg Knapp and uh, Greg Knapp's family. Yeah, definitely a really sad story. Um, you know, it's weird. Like I, I the the one uh, scene or vision that I always remember Nap, uh, you know, in terms of his coaching was watching T.O. berate him on the sidelines in Atlanta, or I think it was in Atlanta when when he just wanted the ball more. So I felt really bad for Nap during that time. But you know, from what I've heard, he's just a really good guy. Was a really good assistant coach really happy for him that he was able to get um, a Super Bowl ring when he was an assistant with Denver. Um, but yes, uh, all our thoughts and prayers would go out to his family because uh, it's just a real sad, unfortunate, un untimely passing. Yeah. I was, I was shocked right before we came on. I saw that uh, he died and I was like, what, what he died. 
I thought I could have sworn I just heard his name in the news or something like a day or two ago, which must have been the accident and not didn't realize what what had happened. I mean, it's, it's just a terrible thing. And the, the, the sobering part of it is you just never know, right? You just never know. You go out one day and, and that's it. So it's really sad to hear that you just you just went out for, for a bike ride and that was it. So from, from the reality of, of life to the mundane of the NFL, a um, couple things that were came through the NFL, you know, they're now, they're not, they're not rescheduling COVID games. We are no longer going to get a Wednesday afternoon, you know, Steelers, what was it? Steelers Titans game or something, you know, couldn't, can't, you know, can't go into the office and flip on the NFL network and watch an NFL game on, on Wednesday, Wednesday morning. And because of that, the, the, the NFL's, you know, you're going to forfeit your team gets your team contracts COVID and there's an outbreak on your team and we can't play chalk up the loss. We're not, we're not moving it. So um, I think it's going to be really interesting um, because there were as, as much as the, the NFL likes to tout the fact that they got every game in last year, it, it didn't come smooth and easy. There was, you know, definite flexing of Sunday to Monday and bouncing some, some games around. They, they did get all the games completed, but it wasn't, it wasn't the smoothest operation um, because of COVID. So they're not, they're not even going to do that anymore. So you've got to think again, the teams that are most buttoned up in terms of taking care of themselves, the most vaccinated, the most not going out to, you know, we're not, not going out to the clubs in Vegas, you know, type of thing. Those, you got to think the clubs that are going to, you know, take care of things the best are going to be the ones that are going to set themselves up for the most success because we see that game, week 17 in the NFL usually means something. It means, you know, something for teams as it, I mean, we all remember Niners Seattle Sunday night a couple years ago you know, winner wins the division, loser drops down to the number five seed and Dre Greenlaw makes the stop six inches before the goal line, which if the Seahawks fall into the end zone, you know, fates are different probably. So can you imagine if, you know, somewhere in the season, Seattle had contracted COVID and, you know, had to forfeit and picked up a loss and that game meant nothing. So boy, what what's it? You know what? That might be how Houston or Detroit gets their first win of the year. I mean, they might, <laughs> they might be, you know, can you, can you just see it? Uh, it's, it's the uh, Lions Packers. Oh, wait a minute. Packers got COVID Lions get the win. Packers right. don't win the division by a game because of it. I mean, the ramifications, you know, yeah. you know, could, could swing things pretty, you know, dramatically, but you know, we'll see what happens. Right. So, not only that, but for those games that are being canceled because of a COVID outbreak, it means that none of the players on either side will get paid for that game. And the team that has the outbreak will be responsible for the financial losses of the other team as well, is from what I heard. So all I can say is that I love it. I love that the NFL is putting the players' feet to the fire and for them to be accountable because if they don't and they get infected – then they're gonna go. They're gonna screw it up for everybody in a big, big way. You know, well, much like how it's been in our society in general. So come on, people, it's not that hard. Just get vaccinated, 
you'll be doing everyone on your team, your organization, your family, your friends, your community, just a big favor by doing so. It's not that hard. Dr. Sue has spoken. Um, <laughs> no, but it, it's, it is the type of thing that usually is contentious with the Players Association. Usually this would be a fight. Uh, the Players Association put out their memo to all the players and said, yeah, this is what's going to happen. So, you know, if, if you're the cause of it, you can't come running to us, you know, saying, hey, but I, I wanted to do this, not my fault. I would, yeah, again, you, you guys know me. Just follow the rules. You know what the rules are. Here are the rules. And if you want to play, play, you know, and that's it. Yeah, so. Uh, yeah, I would just add, this, this just came out, so I kind of wanted to see how this shakes out because it seems like there's a lot of unanswered questions here, and players are already saying, like, I don't want to put myself, my, my team in that position, so it just seems like it's not going to be as simple as that. Like, it's just, oh, you're forfeited, and that, that's it. Like, if they could try to squeeze the game in somewhere in the 18-week schedule. Um, but they're not. That's the thing. They're not rescheduling. No, they are. They said they, if, if they, it's only a forfeit, they can't reschedule it in the 18 weeks. Like, so they could still try to reschedule it, I guess. That's, that's what I heard. I don't know. Um, but yeah. So, but then what happens if uh, all these guys that were vaccinated test positive for COVID? So the real answer is just stop testing them. Well, that's okay because um, they, that was covered. They did say if there was an outbreak among vaccinated players, there is no forfeit because essentially what this is, is, are you doing everything you can to stay on the field? And if, if you are and you still get sick, you're not being punished for it. However, if you didn't do it, you could have avoided this, but you didn't. So now you're being punished or your team's being punished or whoever's writing the check for all the travel is now being punished. So yeah, that's, that'll be, that'll be interesting to, to see what happens. Yeah. Um, outside of that, um, the, the Cowboys reported um, and Jerry Jones obviously, you know, is an entertaining fellow when he gets on the microphone and it, it took him only what, two, three decades to admit, ah, getting rid of Jimmy Johnson probably wasn't my best move. So, you know, I, I guess Jerry is finally, I, I don't know if Jerry finally recognized the calendar and he's on the back nine of, of life. And he's like, I'm just going to get this out there right now. <laughs> I don't need that hanging over my head. Um, but I think you're also seeing Jerry Jones say, I would do anything humanly possible to get to the, the Super Bowl. So you're, you're starting to see some of these guys, same thing with Steven Ross, you know, like they, they want, obviously everyone wants to get into the Super Bowl, but I think some of these guys are being, you know, especially the Cowboys who have not had a run of success are starting to look at the, you know, the pelts on the wall and 1993 Super Bowl just isn't as shiny as it used to be, you know, 15 years ago when you can point to that because there is a whole generation of Cowboy fans that are drinking at bars right now that go, we were in the Super Bowl? When was that? You know, so it's, it, it's interesting to see as, you know, the, these owners and head coaches, you know, start the season because everyone's optimistic and everyone's zero and zero. Everyone's got Super Bowl dreams, except for Detroit and Houston, um, about doing something. So, you know, you start hearing, hearing these coaches, owners, GMs come out and, and, and talk like that. It's kind of refreshing because it's kind of what, it's kind of what fans feel like as much as we want to talk about the greatness of, you know, Dwight Clark's catch in the eighties. It's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of 
a lot of youngsters running around who look at you as old man boomer on, on the porch, you know, yelling at, yelling at the pigeons. So, um, you know, we're at the start, we're at the start of the, of, of the season and it's exciting. Is Mike McCarthy still head coach of the uh, Dallas Cowboys? <sighs> as, as Today? Yes. Okay. Well then Jerry Jones isn't doing everything he can to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, here's yeah. the thing. Jerry just hired him. So right. He's yeah. like, is Jerry just hired him. His quarterback went down last year. J- right or wrong. Jerry thinks he's doing everything, you know? Right. So, but when it comes to Jerry, I'm sure it's just like writing checks. I will write as many checks and as big a checks as needed. Just get me there. Yeah. The Cowboys, one of those teams, I don't have the numbers in front of me that like, uh, even though we complain about our team and our bad record here and there, I mean, the Cowboys are way worse off, man. Their fans have nothing to talk about, right? Like you just mentioned. I mean, when was your last Super Bowl you were even in or a playoff appearance you made? Like, so yeah, I don't, it's, they're still America's team, allegedly. And like, it, it, everyone loves the Cowboys. You love to cover the Cowboys. They're always on TV, but they haven't done anything, man. I mean, they, they, what they got? Three win, three playoff wins since 1997. So yeah. you're talking 25 years. You know, you got three playoff wins, and, and they were all wild card wins. So it's not even like you were I mean, NFC championship, right? Like NFC championship. Yeah. Well, I mean, shoot, the Jets. You know, the recent history. Rex Rex Ryan had them in the AFC championship. Right. So I mean, the Jets, boy, they're they're loving it. Yeah. So. Um, so with that, with that, we, we've kind of covered a lot of the Niners and, and what, ha- what not. And we, next time we get together, um, uh, will be training camp time. So we're going to actually see or hear or get the reports on players with pads on. And we talked about, you know, who, who we're looking forward to seeing what position groups. Um, I, I think it goes without saying priority number one, stay healthy, you know, like, it almost it almost seems that the odds would be in our favor that they would stay healthy because of the the history last year and, and last couple of years. But you just never know. You never know how how this is going to shake out. So, w- with that being said, Jerry, final thoughts. Ah, final thoughts. Well, we haven't actually touched upon the Aaron Rodgers saga, which I guess still has not resolved itself. Right, thirteen years ago, we were on Brett Favre watch. And it looks like this whole offseason will be Aaron Rodgers' watch. And we keep hearing from former Packers like A.J. Hawk and James Jones come out and say that they expect Aaron Rodgers to be back in Green Bay this season. But I just don't see it. I mean, supposedly that the Packers offered a contract extension that would have made him the highest paid quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers said, no, he declined. So I just don't know how there could be any reconciliation at this point. I mean, it's like any relationship where there's a line that cannot be crossed. And if that line is crossed, then it's over. And I think Rogers is at that point with the Packers and there's unfortunately nothing the Packers can do about it, or at least they don't seem willing to do it um, to get Aaron back. So I know we still have a few more days until camp starts for them. Let's see on July 27th, if Rogers continues his holdout or if he reports, but yeah, I like I said before, I think that we've seen the last of Aaron Rodgers in the green and gold. Well, let me ask you that because you're right. We didn't touch on that. Um, but, I mean, yeah, you, you don't think he's, you know, going to report. But 
doesn't the doesn't the report that they offered to make him you know the highest paid player in NFL history and extend his contract now I guess the devil's in the details I guess they could have offered him a you know three-year 150 million dollar contract and you know twelve dollars was guaranteed so it was going to be all all fluff technically type so I mean we I I didn't see any of the details of what it could have been but doesn't that report that come out doesn't that shift kind of public opinion from it felt like most people were in Rogers camp like yeah the Packers aren't doing enough the Packers are doing this to now like well you know okay the Packers were ready to extend you thus I mean by extending you they were punting on Jordan, Jordan love, you know, because he was going to be a glorified backup at best. If you're signing him, signing Rogers to this huge contract extension. Um, so does public opinion now shift to the Packers to, you know, going, look, yeah, they, they may have screwed up by not giving Rogers warning that they're drafting love or trading away, you know, an offensive lineman or not drafting or wide receiver, whatever, you know, but, now that they're doing this kind of stuff, does does Rogers get painted as the bad guy? Like, eh, you're kind. Now you're just being a baby. Look, they're trying. Look, they made a mistake. They're trying to reconcile. They're offering you money. They're offering you years. They're, and if there's nothing they can offer you, like right now, then then you become the petulant child who's just you know scream having your temper tantrum. So, what are your thoughts? Well, it depends on when you say public perception, which public. Are you talking about those in Green Bay? I'm sure, yes, I'm sure the perception in Green Bay, they're probably a, a contingency of fans who may have been supportive, more supportive of Aaron Rodgers. And maybe now they're sort of shifting towards, you know, management and like, hey, look, they've extended you, uh, you know, an olive branch, you decided not to take it. But I think overall, and that's where I say it's like at any relationship, there's a line that, you know, perhaps could not be crossed. and we don't really know what that line is when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. I don't think it's more like, you know, a child who's just kind of kicking and screaming, just wanting his way. It's just more like, look, this is something happened. Right. And then, and it sort of crossed the line for Aaron and that's when he's done. It's just done. It's just done. And I think if you're talking about what the public perception is like around the league, I think if you were not an Aaron Rodgers fan to begin with, and you, if you always thought like, Oh, look at him, prima Donna, always just wanting his way, then that's not going to change your mind. Or if you're of the mindset that dude, the Packers screwed him over too many times over his career. All he wanted was Marshawn Lynch. All he wanted was, I don't know, Julio Jones. They never got him what he wanted. And now they're saying, Oh, well, let me do this. Just please come back. It's again, just too little too late. So I don't know if it matters what the public perception is. I think for him, it's, it's, it's just whatever is on his mind, whatever his agenda is. And if at this point he doesn't want to play for the Packers organization as it is currently constituted in terms of management, then it is what it is. It doesn't, you know, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But, but, but why won't, then why won't he say that? I mean, why, why the, why, if, if it's really past the point of no return, like I, like, I feel like he has said that, but just in his kind of, no, no, that's, that's that's crap. Beautiful mystery kind of way. No, then, 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 you know, mm, because like, no, like if, if it's gone that far, like you don't, dude, 
if your significant other is cheating on you and whatnot, you're just going like, all right, we're done. Like, I'm not going, what a beautiful mystery you are to me. It's like, no, it's like, if you, if you've passed this line, like you've said, like you think the Packers have passed this line of, you know, that Aaron's like, you've done too much. Then why not just come out and say, I've requested a trade or I am retiring. Why even make it a mystery? Because by making it a mystery, you're leaving open the possibility that, that you can return. So if you're going to leave that door open, then there should be something to, you know, help nudge you through that door. And obviously it's not a contract extension. You know, I, I don't know if it's, you have to trade Jordan Love to appease me. I don't know. You got to, I don't know what it could be, but there's got to be something. Otherwise he's got to come out and just say it, you know, our, our relationship is severed to the point that I have requested a trade or I've, you know, requested, you know, that they release me or, or, or something. And he hasn't done that. Well, maybe it's Brian Gutekunst, right? Maybe he he's the impediment to Aaron Rodgers coming back, but Aaron Rodgers will never say, I want you to fire Brian Gutekunst. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, couldn't he tell AJ Hawk or one of his buddies to leak that out on any number? No, of the- because then you're talking public perception. Then it'll really make him look bad. Well, but okay, but play it out. What What's going to make either? Because, dude, if all of a sudden we, we come on the podcast next week and Gudikins has been fired, we're going to know what ha- We're going to know that it's right. Rodgers- but he never said it, right? I, mean, I, I know, again, you came out in the very beginning and said, what is the public perception? And I'm just saying, as long as he never says those words, then in his mind, he's in the clear. Uh, so, uh, so I suppose putting you on a jury, you would need to have, you need the guy with the gun in hand on videotape three times over to convict him. Like, it's not enough that he was the only guy there with guns and a murder happened. Like, you, you're not convinced that, if I'm we, not saying I wouldn't think, oh, clearly that oh, was the reason what? and clearly Aaron Rodgers pushed, made this happen. I'm just saying in his mind, in his world, this is why he doesn't come out and say anything. Well, that's not a good world to live in. Man. <laughs> I mean, not my world. It's not my, so it's not for me to judge. Jeff, what do you think? Yeah, I would just, I would just add, I guess, like what you're saying, Todd. You know, why doesn't he say these? It's, it's kind of keeping everyone just hanging. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe like. Obviously, when the we don't know the details of the contract extension, but it, 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 the reporting was it, it's not the money. And there's been other reporting that it's he doesn't like Gutenkun. So I would say, like to, to both of your points, like it's not the money. It's this Gutenkun guy, and he I'm sure he said it to to uh, administration or through his agent, get rid of this guy. Whether or not he said it publicly or he said it through AJ Hawk, but if that's what he wants, I'm sure he's uh, informed the Packers that I would think. And they're not willing to do that. So he's just going to play this little game of, well, I don't know, maybe I'll be there. So it's really kind of silly. Jeff, your final thoughts. Final thoughts. I guess the only thing I would just uh, finally thought about or have a take on is uh, we we're talking before we came on. The Olympics are starting. So even though apparently there's not going to be any fans whatsoever, I guess that's come out. No fans allowed with whatever's going on in Japan over there. So um but at least we could watch some some Olympics on, on the TV and you know, get me some soccer games to watch, uh, a little track and field. Uh, look forward to some of that, and we'll see how that goes um, with, with no fans in the stands and how, how they will pull that off. So that'll be look, something to look forward to for the next week or two. 
um, with uh, not much else going on. His training camp is ramping up and a little bit of baseball going on, but yeah, we'll be checking out the, uh, the Olympics. And I guess my final thought will actually will drop down to the college football ranks and news came out that Oklahoma and Texas, they would like to join the SEC, which obviously is no surprise, but that's like, you know, anybody else trying to, trying to join an elite club, you, you know, some people just aren't invited. And the fact of the matter is that Texas and Oklahoma have, they've been their own worst enemy. The University of Texas started the Longhorn Network and people fought against that because they, they thought it was going to be a recruiting edge to be for one school to have its own network, you know, and they weren't going to share the network. They weren't going to let Baylor or Texas A&M or Houston or any of the other Texas teams have a part in this network. Well, now Texas is knocking on Nick Saban's door and saying, hey, can we come join your club? And the SEC's basically giving them the Heisman pose and saying, no, we don't, you know, our conference is full. So um, as the new name, image, and likeness rules start to unfold and we start to see college players get by all accounts, hundreds of thousands of dollars for the elite quarterbacks. You've got to start thinking that these programs are going to have to readjust what they think. And, and it's only a matter of time before I think we have the super conferences and the rest of college football. As much as we talk about the Power Five conference, the Pac-12, the Big 12, the Big 10, the ACC, the SEC, it's only going to be an elite few that are going to be invited to the party. And those, those teams are going to compete for the very best players. And the idea that a school like Tulane or Colorado State or, you know, Utah or San Diego State is ever going to be able to land the elite recruits is probably far-fetched. So they're going to have to reimagine their recruiting process, find the, the kids that are in their backyard that can elevate their, their standing and their, their programs and it's going to be interesting to see at the college level if the new name, image, and likeness rules keep anybody in college for that extra year. It used to be a quick jump once you've hit your junior year to jump to the NFL. But if you're a player and you're making $500,000 at the University of Alabama and you can make that again and you're not going to be a first-round draft pick, why, why make the jump? So it's a wild, wild west in college football and – for someone who loves college football but isn't in love with college football like many of those you know fans in the south are it's going to be riveting to watch what happens and unfolds next so those are my final thoughts on the world of college football so we will put a bow on this episode and next week we will be talking to you about training camp i believe jerry are you are you about to board a plane to the aloha state Yep, I'm saying aloha. And aloha means goodbye, as um, what's his name used to tell us? Um, uh, what's Larry his name? Beal. Yes, Larry Beal used to tell us. Aloha means goodbye. So for Jeff, for Jerry, I'm Todd. Thank you for listening to Three Side Sports. Follow us on Twitter. Write a comment in your review on the Apple iTunes store. Listen on the uh, platform of your choice, and we will see you later. Good night.